Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're so thankful to have this opportunity to be with you. Open up God's Word and all of us study together from those rich teachings and truths that God has had written down for us as inspired scripture. Using men to write them down, but men guided by God through the Holy Spirit to make sure that what they wrote was and is truly God's word, God's will for our lives. We're thankful to be able to broadcast and teach God's word on such an extensive basis through these podcasts and over the internet throughout the world, basically. We want to, we want to encourage you, as we always do, don't just listen to these Bible classes, keep them to yourself, but share them with everybody you can. Undoubtedly, you know people in your life who need to get into God's Word. They need to develop their faith in God through Jesus Christ. They need to start thinking about their soul's salvation. Help them along these lines by sharing these studies with them. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. But make that commitment and start sharing with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help turn a life around. You may help somebody get to heaven. And while that will be a great blessing for them, no doubt, it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing. And encourage everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the homepage to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. Now, when somebody signs up for our podcasting, and by the way, as we always emphasize, it is free. It will always be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, posted every Sunday morning at 930, which is the time of our regular Sunday morning Bible classes at the Sunday Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha. But they'll also receive our Wednesday night Bible classes posted every Wednesday evening at 6.30. Again, the time of our in-person Bible classes at Sunny Slope Church of Christ each Wednesday evening. And they'll receive all of our sermons. But there's so much more. Automatically to their smart device, whichever one they choose, their smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, they will also receive a great daily, seven-day-a-week, short, about a 13-minute Bible study every day called Today's Bible Class. Just a short time, just a few minutes, but it gets us into God's Word and keeps us in God's Word. And they'll receive our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. Again, all of that for free. While at our website, churchofchrist.com, they can access hundreds of sermons, and a great many of those now are in video format as well as audio. They can also download and read through, study through, hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles. So they can do a lot of studying that way. Now, you put all of this together, and it is a tremendous library, basically, of Bible study resource material. And it's all free. And it's easy to access and use. If you are in the 
Omaha area, we want to encourage you to come and be with us in person. Study with us, worship with us, grow spiritually with us at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. And again, Bible classes every Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Wednesday night Bible classes in the middle of the week, great time to stop and get our spiritual batteries recharged, so to speak, every Wednesday evening at 6.30. You're welcome to any and all of our services. But now we know that there are many people who are not able to get out, or there are many people who are listening in other parts of the country and around the world And so we're thankful to be able to communicate God's Word, teach God's Word through these podcasts to everybody who can tune in. If you're in the Omaha area, come and be with us. If not, keep studying with us through these podcasts. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. We have been studying the early history, so to speak, of God's people. Now, we went all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and the creation, and then we saw mankind being created by God and coming into being. We saw God's institution of marriage, and then tragically we saw man enter into sin and become sinners and all the consequences that go therewith. We saw the flood in Noah's day. Then we saw in, in Genesis chapter 12 God calling Abraham to establish a bloodline through which God would raise up his special people, chosen people from a spiritual perspective, through whose bloodline the Savior would come into the world, hundreds and hundreds of years down the road. Well, the book of Exodus finds that people already having developed population-wise into quite a nation, probably one to three million people, but they had not yet really been formed into a nation themselves. Now, God had promised Abraham that through his seed or through his bloodline or his descendants that he would give a a land of promise. Now, that would be the land of Canaan that would become the nation of Israel. In Exodus chapter 1, we see the descendants of Abraham through Isaac and then through Jacob and his sons, they have developed over a period of about 400 years or 450 years into the nation of Israel. But now it was a people. It had not yet really come to be, to, to be formed into and identified as a nation in and of themselves. But God sent Moses and Aaron to lead them out of Egypt and into the promised land. They would stop at Mount Sinai and worship God, and God would give them the Old Testament law of Moses. And that's really where we're at right now. And then when he was finished giving them the law, he would instruct Moses to leave Mount Sinai and go to the promised land, that land that would become the nation of Israel, the land of Israel. Well, we're in Exodus chapter 32. As I said, I have left quite a number of chapters kind of in the middle of the book of Exodus for your own personal study because they're going into specific 
laws of worship and so on, such as the law of incense and the bronze laver and the holy anointing oil and on and on and on. And those things were important, but they become in this kind of study kind of tedious for us. So I'm leaving those to your personal study. Now, in chapter 32, we studied about the golden calf. Moses has gone up on Mount Sinai, and God was giving him what we understand as the Ten Commandments, the law in written form, basically. And while he was on Mount Sinai, and he was there for a period of 40 days or so, the people became anxious because they saw him go up, but they have not saw, seen him come back down. And so they became, you know, oh, not just anxious, but they, they became afraid, I guess we could say. Afraid. What happened to our leader? They were looking for his physical appearance again, his physical presence in their, in their camp to be their leader. They could see him. They could talk to him. They could touch him and so on. Well, he's up in Mount Sinai. They haven't seen him for 40 days. And so they, they kind of lose sight. And what really happens is their faith is weak. And it weakens even more. And so they, they tell Aaron, make us a god. And so Aaron says, bring all your gold and so on, your earrings and all, the, and all that. And so he melts that gold down and he forms a golden calf. And he also manufactures an altar to put the calf upon. And so the people then say to the, all the rest of the people, hey, this is your god. This is your god that leads you. How foolhardy. How fickle, how weak in their faith they were. As Moses is on Mount Sinai, God, of course, knowing everything that's going on down below, as well as all throughout the rest of the world, he tells Moses, get down there. Go on, get down there. In verse 10 of chapter 32, he says, Let me alone, that, I, that my wrath may burn hot against them, that I may consume them. I will make you a great nation. Because God told Moses, I've seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked? <laughs> Hard-headed. Hard-headed. They have made themselves a molden calf, verse 8 says God is telling Moses, and worshiped it and sacrificed to it. Again, God had performed such miracles before them, <clears throat> such mighty works as he led them out of Egypt on dry land through the Red Sea, fed them miraculously, water, gave them water miraculously. But here, because they haven't seen their physical leader, for a period of several weeks, their faith grows weak, and they turn to a, an idol, a manufactured image, and they bow down to and they sacrifice to that as to a god. How absurd. How weak in their faith. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, verse 11, and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, 
and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, Israel being Jacob, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this that I have spoken of, spoken of, I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. Well, Moses was pleading the case. He was praying to God that God would relent from destroying all of the people and beginning to form a new nation from the bloodline of Moses. Now, the point that I emphasize during that part of our study is that God does not need us. We need God. And God can always raise up a new people. Sometimes we get to thinking, even if we don't express it verbally, we get to thinking, oh, God needs us. He, oh, yeah, he's not going to do anything to us. Well, God can always raise up a new people. He told Moses that. And that's not the only time he would tell Moses that. God can always raise up a new people if his people do not stay faithful to him. Well, we come farther along in the 32nd chapter, and we pick up with verse 28. Now, when Moses, now by the way, when Moses came down from the mountain, the tablet, the stone tablets on which were written the Ten Commandments, he broke those, ground them into powder, threw them in the, in the water, and made the people drink the water. They needed to learn. They needed to get a visual lesson. In verse 25, now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them, to their, to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. Huh. When Moses came down and saw that golden calf, and he confronted Aaron, what have you done? Aaron should have been the kind of the leader in Moses' absence there. Aaron would become the first high priest of the nation of Israel. But instead, he relented to the people's will and made that golden calf. And so when Moses confronted him, Aaron said, Hey, I threw the gold in the fire and this calf jumped out. <laughs> no, you manufactured that calf. And so Aaron said in verse 22, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. So again, he's kind of trying to blame them, shift the blame, deflect it from him to somebody else. Well, that doesn't work. Aaron stood blamable himself. But now the people, in verse 25, Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Moses had not restrained them. See, again, I'm, I'm sorry, for Aaron had not restrained them. See, Moses had expected Aaron to be the physical presence of the leader while he was away up on the mountain receiving the law from God. But Aaron did not fill that capacity well. And so he was not responsible 
or he did not live up to his responsibility, and the people, they got out of control. And so Moses, he stood in the entrance of the camp. Now, this is a really dramatic, a dramatic segment here. And so he simply calls out, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. Now, he's making a call of commitment. He is calling out those of strong and committed faith. Come to me, whoever is on the Lord's side. Later, we're going to see Joshua basically make that same call to commitment after after the people had entered the promised land. Now, we're talking about 40-some years down the road. But that always has been the basic need and really the basic instruction from God in heaven. Come to me. Make up your mind is another way we could put it. On Mount Carmel, Elijah, he, he told the people, They were wishy-washy, and he basically said, make up your mind whom you're going to follow. If you're going to follow the Baals, that is, idols, then follow them. But if you're going to follow God, make up your mind, follow him. But get off the fence. It's interesting that in that particular context of time and scripture, they did not say a word. (laughs) They're going to wait and see what happens. Well, here, Moses calls out. He makes that general appeal, that call. Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. Interesting. Interesting. And all the sons of Levi, the tribe of Levi, gathered themselves together to him. Now the tribe of Levi would become the priestly tribe. And they kind of stood out in a way from the rest of the tribes of Israel as time went on. Verse 27, he said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion and every man his neighbor. And so this was a day of judgment for the people of Israel who had become unfaithful before God. They were worshiping, bowing down to, sacrificing to an image, an idol. Remember the first few statements in the original Ten Commandments? Make no other God, have no other God before me. I am the Lord your God. There is no God but God. And people throughout the history of mankind almost have been bowing down to statues that they manufacture with their own hands and they set up on some kind of pedestal that they have made themselves and then they drop down on their knees and worship that as a god. Now how, again, how ridiculous, how absurd, how contradictory is that? You make this image and then you worship it as a god? It's a creation of your hands, but people are still doing such today. And unfortunately and sadly, a great many who call themselves Christians, 
bow down before images and statues and worship and pray through them. That is a direct violation of the Ten Commandments, which they supposedly believe in and revere. Well, Moses tells the sons of the tribe of Levi, put your swords on your side, go from entrance to entrance, in other words, throughout the whole camp. And the idea here is whoever does not come to be with us, whoever does not repent of their idolatry, you slay them. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. In other words, they were killed. Then Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing this day. For every man has opposed his son and his brother. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Moses was not saying, I'm going to go up before the Lord and make everything all right. You see, God is God. And Moses was trying to put across to the people, you are totally, totally, under God's mercy and grace at this point. And I will pray for God's grace to be upon you, that you might be forgiven. It's interesting also that in verse 29, Moses told the tribe of Levi, consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. Again, as I said, they would become the priestly tribe from which the priests of Israel would come. And the Levites, who would not be priests, would be spiritual servants of the Lord throughout the rest of the history of Israel through the Old Testament. Well, verse 31, after Moses told the people, I will go up to the Lord. In other words, he's going to go back up on Mount Sinai. And they better have gotten the message. They better have taken the warning, you better stay straight this time. You better keep your faith in God. I will go up to the Lord and see if I can make atonement for your sins. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin... But if not, I pray, blot, blot me out of your book, which you have written. Now you talk about humility, and you also talk about love for his people. Moses was saying, take my life, take my soul, blot me out of your book, which you have written, if you cannot forgive these people. Probably Moses was feeling contrition at this point, in his mind, probably thinking he had failed God because he had failed the people, or at least failed to keep them true to God in this act of rebellion. 
of making that golden calf. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now, this is a principle that we need to understand. And it's a principle that is repeated in the book of, of, of Ezekiel very specifically. The sinner, the one who sins, is the one who will be judged for his sin. Not anybody else. Every single individual is responsible for his own sins. We cannot blame our sinfulness on other people. God holds each of us accountable individually. And it has always been that way and always will be that way. And if we look in Ezekiel, if we look in Ezekiel chapter Uh, let me pull that up now. Chapter 18 and verse 4. We read, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. The soul who sins shall die. Huh. If we look at verse 19 of Ezekiel chapter 18, Why should the Son bear the guilt of the Father? Because the Son has done what is lawful and right and has kept all my statutes and, observes, uh, and observed them, he shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. The Son shall not bear the guilt of the Father, nor the Father bear the guilt of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Now this is a text of scripture that those who practice infant baptism needs to study carefully, deeply, because their practice of infant baptism is in direct contradiction to what these scriptures teach. I suspect that perhaps even the vast majority of people who take their babies, their newborn babies, to some priest to supposedly be baptized as a baby, I, I suspect that perhaps the vast majority do not know really what is the basis for that practice. It is a technical doctrine of man, not of God, called total hereditary depravity. And it's the idea that all newborn babies bear guilt of the sins of their Parents and forefathers going all the way back to Adam. And yet here it is clear. The sons shall not bear the iniquities or the sins. They're not going to be guilty for the sins of their fathers. Now, Ezekiel goes on and says, and the fathers are not going to be guilty for the, bear responsibility for the sins of their sons. But the soul that sins shall die. The individual responsibility is upon the individual, not upon other people around them. We want to be able to blame other people and other factors for our ungodliness, for whatever our weaknesses might be in life. But that does not work before God. We, each one of us, individually, are responsible. On that final day of judgment, we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, 
and give account of the things done in the body, in other words, in our personal lives, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. So, verse 33 of Exodus chapter 32 again. The Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now therefore go, lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. We'll pick up chapter 33 next time as God instructs Moses to lead the people away from Sinai and to the promised land. Let's pray. Father, help us to stay faithful to you, to not wane in our spiritual strength, but help us to recognize that that is our responsibility personally. Help us to stay in your word so that we can stay strong and even grow stronger in your faith or in our faith in you. Help people to see that you have the answers to their needs if they will come to you through Jesus Christ. Help them to open their eyes. Help them to open their hearts to obey, Father. We pray. And Father, at this time, we also pray for our forgiveness. Gracious Father, thank you for loving us and being so gracious and merciful to us. Please hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.